Hello, welcome back. I didn't think I was going to get a podcast episode out today because I've been really, really poorly um, the past couple of days. So please forgive my voice <laughs> rasping away. Today's episode is a little bit different. Um, I'm talking to one of my closest friends, Chloe Marilla Ty. Um, we just talk about the joy of creating rather than doing it for profit. I think so often like the narrative is you take your side hustle full time and you monetize your art. But today we just discuss art for art's sake and doing it because we love it and not because we want to be successful or recognized or make loads of money. But it's just something within us that we need to express. So Chloe is a singer, songwriter um, from the southwest of England. She's based in Edinburgh now and uh, her voice is so beautiful. I really miss going to live music and especially Chloe's gigs. Um, her voice is, uh, she's got this lovely haunting voice and her melodies are so evocative. Um, yeah, so Chloe has very, very kindly agreed to sing um, to start the podcast. So this is her song called Pillow Sheets. I know you'll love her. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're my, well, I don't know what uh, order these will go out in, but this is the first episode I've recorded, so I'm very excited that you're you're on the it, debut. my first guest. Exactly. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, so you and I have known each other for quite a, quite a while now. I think it's seven years. We met in 2014. The Jane Austen Centre. The we Jane both, Austen Centre. <laughs> where we were both drama creative writing students in our mm -hmm. bonnets and our curls. Yeah, the good old days. And yeah. now now you're doing something completely different. Um, yes. But we will get on to that. So do you want to just tell everyone who you are, what you do, what, yeah, to give us yeah. a bit of a snapshot. Yeah, we'll do. So... Yeah, so my name's Chloe and I am a lover of the arts, which I know is a very general thing to say, but in my A-levels I did English literature and fine art and drama and music. I think I was the only one in the whole year group doing so many creative subjects. And um, I did a performing arts academy for a year where it was focused on singing and movement and then 
did a drama degree and then I went on to do a songwriting master's but I guess the the main art form has always been music I was brought up in a very musical family started writing songs from a very young age and singing and playing the piano and guitar so um, music and performing live has kind of been my main thing and then sort of recently I've been writing like um, I wrote something for the magazine at the uni I'm at now and I've just really enjoyed writing you know my spare time and keeping a journal and playing a little bit with poetry so but yeah that's kind of a bit of a background of who you are of who I am yeah and you well I I mean, I've been to a lot of your gigs, but just for our listeners, what what are your what instruments are do you play with? Do you play? So I, I play piano and guitar, um, a little bit of the flute as well. Though I've never played the flute live, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I yeah I I guess I really started to perform live with singing with when I was twelve because I, I used to do jazz singing. Okay, I didn't know that. that, Yeah, I got on the stage from quite a young age and my knees would knock together and I was the youngest (laughs) in the singing group and it was at the Wiltshire Music Centre in Bradford-Navon and every 12 weeks we'd put on a concert and my brothers and my dad were all in the kind of jazz bands. They were all different. um, There was the different bands according to your abilities and I was in the singing group and every 12 weeks there would be this concert we'd put on for friends and family so that was really good practice and I was playing you know writing songs at home but I didn't start actually performing my own songs until I was 19 so it's quite okay. a lot, lot many years later really but I was doing like these big jazz concerts and I ended up singing for the Wiltshire Youth Jazz Orchestra and doing like jazz festivals so that was good practice for performance but yeah mostly vocals and piano to and your, question. your parents are they musical or was it just something of your own thing that you picked up yeah very musical my dad used to be in a Christian rock band in the 80s <laughs> or the 70s no maybe he's not that old 70s <laughs> or 80s um and mum yeah she's always sung and um played the guitar and piano as well so yeah both very musical parents and was it something they like um encouraged you to do or was it just it was like you feel it was in you and it was your own thing you might have like sat at the piano or picked up a guitar anyway even if your parents weren't like that I think it was a bit of both because we always had a piano and guitars lying around and mum and dad got us all piano lessons and guitar lessons at some stage but it you know so it was encouraged but it wasn't like they never forced us to do grades mm. and they never like put that pressure on us. And to be honest, with, you know, growing up in a family with three siblings, there was four children. It would be so many times I'd be playing away and and somebody would be like, shut up, you know, stop playing. It's, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night trying to get Nathaniel to sleep. So it was a very musical home. It was there. It was accessible, but it was there was never pressure. Yeah, so it was a bit of both, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like you just said, how you were encouraged just to do it, for, like for the for the love of it, or for playing an instrument and not the grades, because oh, like yeah. I remember as a child, my mother sending me to piano lessons, and there, my family aren't musical at all, um, mm. and so it wasn't really like a lifestyle. It was just just play an instrument because you're an only child and it's something to do and the grades like just killed I just remember sitting there playing bloody Feralise I know terrifying yeah and and not even being able to properly read music and you're not really like I was just doing it to get a piece of paper and I guess it was just to say oh she can play the piano rather than just doing it because because it's just a form of creativity so yeah I mean, I started learning the piano when I was four and I used to pretend to read the music because I just used to play it by ear. And so oh, wow. my piano teacher, even though I had lessons from so young, I, I some people can read music and some just pick it up, you know, by hearing it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, I know what you mean. Like the grades, I used to, oh, I used to hate doing Ugh. piano grades, awful. 
<laughs> and so whenever you were young and you were like you were going on stage young before you started gigging at 19 by yourself did you think like as a child this is what I want to do like I'm called to be a musician this is what I want to be when I grew up or did you just do it because you enjoyed it I did it because I enjoyed it and I have to say from a young age till I was at least 23 so from about the age of 10 to 23 music just kept opening up for me really easily and I got gig after gig really really great opportunities I used I got to sing for this amazing jazz festival in Marlborough when I was 17 Mm. I don't think I quite realized now I look back and I go whoa I did all these amazing festivals I don't think I realized how like prolific it was at the time um but again I'd just say I never really put the pressure on myself I never was like oh I'll end up being this huge famous pop star like I you know I didn't idolize Britney Spears or anything you know yeah of course I, I wasn't like seeking out to be this famous celebrity but I but I did love singing and I would sing constantly in my bedroom and practice and practice and practice so yeah I don't know if that answers the question (laughs) yeah no no it's like yeah that's interesting because I have vivid memories of like I I thought Britney Spears used to live next door to me in like the bungalow (laughs) I used to tell everyone Britney Spears lives in this little um industrial (laughs) suburb of Northern (laughs) Ireland and I would like wait outside and be like I would sing I would sing really loudly so she'd hear me and come in I'd be in her band but literally because I wanted to be famous and I wanted to be an actress and I wanted to literally do all these things for yeah like the limelight and um to be seen whereas I feel as I got a bit old I always wrote stories and now like I just do writing because it just was so natural to me and I yes. just can't imagine doing anything else but yeah so, so who so who were your inspirations when you were young and who really like set your soul on fire for music and mm-hmm. um writing writing music too well so I was brought up in church so I was always surrounded by music and I think that's quite unusual in this day and age unless you go to a festival or gig how often do you get with a collection of people and sing mm. so my grandparents church would be you know there'd be rich harmonies like a, ch- a church filled with singing of like four part harmony and that used to make me feel quite moved when I was young but when I got you know into my teens and started to buy my own little cds and tapes um I was quite lucky to have th- three brothers two of which older than me who had really good music taste and I remember very vividly listening to S Club 7 when I was maybe 11 <laughs> or 12 and my brother came in and said this is absolute trash this is not music <laughs> and I think he took it out and then he put in he came in and he had he his bedroom was like HMV he had every CD you could think of <laughs> and he came in and he was like you need to listen to this you need to listen to this you need to listen to this and he gave me like Radiohead and Coldplay early their early stuff um gosh like all these really prolific bands Jeff Buckley and then you know I found my own way as I got older, I'd go to the more alternative section of HMV. Um, not that you don't need to be a music snob. You know, I think some of these, I think, you know, Justin Timberlake, some of his early <laughs> songs, I think they were, actually, looking back as a songwriter, no, they were amazing. I'm like, with you. Whenever people slate off Taylor Swift, I'm like, you know, she <laughs> speaks to my, like, heartbroken white girl, you know? I know, I know, I know. Oh, no. yeah. And then, you know, of course, my mum would listen to the Carpenters and Lionel Richie and um, there's a lot of music around us. So, yeah, but I, I loved jazz. I love jazz songs. They're very tragic and romantic and very visual, you know, like autumn leaves and mm. very I love the vintage jazz songs. So I ended up by the age of 18, I knew about. 200 jazz songs off by heart as well as all the hymns so yeah and was there ever like was there ever ever a oh I should ask for it before I go on to talk about sort of like getting older and wanting to pursue it full-time I should ask like what how would you like are you in flux at the moment what is your kind of style or genre are you still discovering that or yeah I think I'm still 
discovering it in the way of like when people go what genre are you I, I always yeah I go well I don't know <laughs> because I I don't know I think it's still forming as much even though I've been writing for years I would say that I know what I know more and more the types of songs I want to write I want to create I guess paint a paint I want to paint a picture with music and and invite the listener in um I know that they typically tend to be quite moody and atmospheric and emotive um I like listening to happy stuff but I just you know I don't tend to write happy stuff not that it's you know so what's the question again I I asked you I asked you about like genre but what genre you are but I guess like again genre is just I don't know because I studied creative writing and we you know you you were very much like yeah you write fantasy or you write historical fiction but I also feel like there was a lot of us that didn't really have a genre because yeah you just I don't know again genre is just like a category right or a label not to be all like hipster but it is just putting a label on your audience and I think like oh I am a folk artist therefore people who like folk music will buy my album yeah but I just think like yeah I just think it's another label that we've given to creativity to like package it up yes and I I suppose a bit of a comparison is when somebody asks you know what kind of style of clothing do you like mm, and I would yeah. say there's different sides of me like according to the seasons and the the, the vibe and the mood I've, I'm in um I think I would say that naturally when when you're a piano and vocalist at the same time there is a that song stress kind of songwriter quality that kind of alternative folk if you're going to put a label on it but within that within one label there's so many labels and you're right like with with creative writing um it's very hard to like there's more and more niches I think (laughs) in this day and age there's more and more niches. And I guess, well, this podcast is, you know, it's going to be, it is a podcast for like conscious business owners. So, and I'm, I'm aware it's a hard one because you, you know, when you sing, you sell like your services, singing in a restaurant or doing gig or, you know, playing the piano somewhere. It's like, are you, you're not a business owner, of course, you're, you know you're a singer but then there is that you know you're still selling your services for something so I guess I wanted to like kind of pivot on that and talk about um Mm. your relationship with just with like perhaps the business side of like your 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 singing your songwriting um was there ever a moment for you that you were like okay I need to make money from this or I'm going to make money from this and um maybe because I know your brothers are you know that is their full-time yeah. gig you know they, they're they're in a band so was there pressure for you then sorry I've asked like three questions no 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 <laughs> I get what you're saying um this is an interesting one because it's there's so many ways I could answer this question but yes I felt kind of a pain like a, not not a pain I felt almost a burden to make it my full-time focus and uh, I mean you know you've known me for seven years Amy and you've seen me do so many jobs Mm. and typically I would leave a job because I felt like I I had outgrown it and also this this calling to do music full-time you know whatever that meant and I think for me it was always about not wanting to stay in my comfort zone Mm-hmm. And as soon as I was in a place where I was just getting comfy, my music would suffer. So it wasn't even necessarily about launching into full-time music, living off wholly my music. It was more about growing as an individual and how and that would then feed into my work. I didn't want to become settled or just stop growing because my music would stop growing if that makes sense but of course you know I've seen my my two older brothers I've witnessed them for over a decade you know struggle and and invest thousands of pounds into their music and 
and only witnessed you know recently in the last few years it sort of starting to pay off and to be and there. just what is their band just so people who don't know so they're in a their their band is Port Erin um Jacob's also in other bands which are signed one is called the Brackish and then Reuben is also a solo artist called Reuben's Daughters and he's actually just actually no I can't say that but <laughs> there's an exciting thing in the works yeah so you know I've witnessed how long it takes you know but also witnessing them as a band I'm a solo artist so it is quite a different journey when you're a solo artist and especially when I was launching my first album quite frankly all the online self-promotion you know the practicalities of event organizing when you're doing the launch um, and then all the things like publishing your music you have to learn on the job (laughs) I had to learn on the job and I didn't like that side of it so much I loved playing the gig um, loved writing the songs loved recording the album but the rest of it it was quite draining for me Um, it's a bit of a segue but yeah and do you mean when you say the rest of it do you mean like all the promotion and stuff around it and like the kind of how you appear online is that what you yes, mean that's exactly okay. what I mean having this online presence as you were as and I never felt I quite paired what I imagined my music I couldn't somehow and I'm still struggling to to marry together my image online or my image in general with my music mm. um yeah yeah and that's the thing like I feel now um there's just such a pressure like well if you want to go to a cafe or you want to listen to a new artist or whatever um you you look at their Instagram right and that's the first thing you go to and like I'm guilty of that you know instead of maybe going to Google and doing a search you just look at their um their aesthetic they're putting out and I think especially for small businesses um and like artisans and crafters and um certain like digital service providers like me like you it's that's a take I've talked to so many um people and it takes up so much of their time like this that keeping up this aesthetic and you know trying to like beat the algorithm and you know reach people and you're just speaking out to the void so (laughs) I am I've been listening to Leonie Dawson's podcast she's like this wacky Australian entrepreneur and she like runs a multi-million dollar business um and she has just come off social media altogether um because she's like you know social media like you don't control it like it's not it's not your castle you know it belongs to someone else and so it's really incredibly hard to like be authentic on there because you know like I know if I put up something and it gets six likes I'm like yeah do you know what I mean I feel a bit crushed so I really feel like social media and art or business like of course it's got its place but I don't know I think it's just people you can invest so much into it and for like little return and it's a headache (laughs) I completely relate to that and that feeling of being really disheartened when you're sharing your work which feels so vulnerable um let alone standing up and singing in front of a crowd you know but putting it into the void as you say and not being in control and I mean if I could have it my way and I probably will do this I'll when it comes to in the future when I release more music or another album I will just I would like to just get rid of everything mm. that exists and I and I and my brother's band have done that and even I think Radiohead did it for a time they got rid of everything online nobody could find anything they just wow. went under the radar and then they came back with this incredible new album and another way of accessing all their archive of music so it's okay you don't have to keep up the face as it, as it were and yeah and um yeah so I relate to what you're saying very much and I guess like if you're if you're gigging um you know and you're in a, a busy restaurant because I know that you've you've done um restaurant gigs and you know you're everyone's like having drinks and eating and you're like singing out your soul by all your pain <laughs> and suffering and people are talking I guess that's like it's, it's still a different feeling isn't it like even if no it one's is. kind of listening to you in, in a room whereas online I think it's a lonelier quieter space yes so yeah 
yeah you're right it's true yeah so yeah. um so yeah just to get get back to I feel like I digress from the question I asked you but no, so did you did you have a moment like when you thought okay I know I'm just gonna quit my job and I'm gonna try and go at this full time and I'm going to try and make a living from this like did you ever go through that or has it always been you've been happy doing it alongside other things that light your fire I have done that a couple of times where I've left my job and you know had a tiny bit of savings and just lived off rice and beans for a few months and I have to say it wasn't good for me um I think if if I had had more money and I, I had the luxury of going away to a cabin and writing in seclusion and with a couple of right musician friends that would be good but it wasn't good for me because what I realized is my music is my kind of refuge and my go-to and my kind of garden space, if you like, mm. away from my work, my my bread and butter work. And actually, I, throughout my 20s, I might dramatically leave one job and or and and then go and have this three-month period of just being a musician. But I, I kind of started to realize maybe I'm just wanting to maybe it was just me wanting to say to people I'm just a musician like it was almost an ego thing Mm. and actually who cares like I needed to have a life that was many things at the same time because that feeds my music it feeds my expression expression means to release and relieve tension and if you've got nothing to express apart from just you know and so I'm I imagine that and again, I've held witness to some of my most fa- favorite artists. They're never just doing one thing. Mm, yeah, you know, they're, they're they're doing making films or they're writing or they're raising a family or they're going through a great tragedy tragedy in their life. They're never or they're just, working in a cafe and that's or they're fun. working <laughs> in a cafe. Absolutely, and tell you what, being a wait waitress and working hospitality is incredible for getting stories and for meeting yeah. people and hearing you know being witness to life is is a is, is great fun as well yeah completely I know you know this <clears throat> something that I struggled with for a long time after I graduated was this feeling of of like because when you're at university and you're having people commenting on your work and you're sharing your stories and um your, your music and you're getting a lot of confirmation it really sets you up as if you're gonna you feel like you're gonna be someone or go off and do great things and the moment you graduate that's just the rug is pulled from under your feet yeah. and you're like am I a writer am I an actress you know I don't write I'm not in any place and yeah. I struggled with that a lot like oh, am I am I a writer I'm not a writer and I had to do so much mindset work and you know sift through like I am I am and like claim the title for myself and yes. I think it was a bit of a hang-up I remember one of my creative writing lecturers say um if you're not published you're not a writer and wow. I just thought like no that is just that is so detrimental that's saying you need to be you need to have success you need to make money yeah. you need to have a platform in order to be like an artist and I just I just think if you paint pictures in your little home studio or you write in your diary poetry like you you're a poet and you're you know you're a painter yeah yeah so I think it's just redefining repackaging what artistic success is completely completely I mean I mean something that I've come to relate being a musician or being a songwriter to in my life it's as it's as intrinsic to me as it is to be a daughter or a sister or a friend yeah you know and if you know sorry to lower the tone if my parents were to die I wouldn't stop being their daughter yeah and it's like just because there might be periods in my life where I'm not playing a gig or posting every day on social media or I'm not getting thousands of pounds into my bank account from selling my songs that doesn't stop me from being a songwriter because that is just who I am just like you're a writer yeah and I think it's the identity development of the artist you know the creator in you yeah and you're right like when you're at university it's a it's a great 
it's a great environment to be in but it it can become like this bit of a bubble and a, almost an institution well it is an institution where you're told who you are and what you should be in and it's it's not like that in life <laughs> like when you know you have to like eat food and pay your bills and you know and and I think the more yeah. you know, like um, there's a there's Bible verse that says knowledge increases sorrow. <laughs> and I really yeah. believe that in all aspects of life. And I know I have a friend who is a, she studied dancing, um, but she used to self-publish these novels at alarming speed and market them. And I was wow. always a bit like jealous of her. And then my other, not jealous of her, but I always ad- admired that. Yeah. And my other friends were like, why are you not doing that? And I almost felt because I had like, you know, writing was my thing that actually stopped yeah. me from from doing doing it so yeah, completely so I think there yeah. is that kind of just yeah doing it for the love of it rather than because you have the tools or whatever yeah, completely yeah. and also you know I don't know how I feel anymore about this whole starving artist idea you know we're often creatives and artists writers painters they're portrayed in films and in the public eyes these kind of quite you know maybe they have drug addiction or maybe they're they live from one penny to the next and for me being in that state of like I don't know where the next bill's coming uh, next paycheck's coming in or I don't know if I can afford to go on holiday this year you know whatever that wasn't good for my creativity yeah um so it's quite a segue but I just thought something interesting to add like I think you need a balance of being out of your comfort zone and being in that adventurous headspace, but you also need, well, at least I realised I needed some security and some foundation to grow and to write. Yeah, and of course there are, like, songwriters who want to go at it full time and nothing will stop them you know and they don't mind they don't mind suffering or eating pasta and rice for months on end (laughs) but I guess it's like I think it's just giving yourself permission to you don't have to go after it full speed if you do you don't want to and I I think yeah you know you kind of grow into a space where you're like okay this is just who I am and I don't I don't need to be something else this is just part of me but I am yeah I'm giving myself permission to just this is just one aspect of me and I won't let it because I think when you get a lot of like you know people love your music and they come to your gigs you kind of hypes you up like you're gonna it does it does I mean I remember going to one festival and watching this lovely independent artist called I think it's Julie Brin Julie Brin I might be saying her surname completely wrong but her day job is looking after Central Park in New York she looks wow. after the trees, you know, and she's got these lovely niche gigs. She's got like a few thousand followers. She's signed to an independent record label. She gets the gig in the summer, look after the trees in the autumn. And that, and that, you know, that's one story of many artists because I'm quite nosy. I like to know the backstory. You know, how are they doing it? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the time and time again, I'm always inspired to hear that artists creatives business owners of all you know calibers are doing many things at once yeah I, one I feel that like today um I had a I had a work meeting this morning I was riding all morning um and then mm. I drove to join the gym because when I went freelance I thought I was going to be like in Florence you know sitting <laughs> my tiny coffee and writing like this amazing sales page and no it's just me <laughs> in my house <laughs> yeah. with the washing stacking up and today anyway I was driving and I saw an old man on a bench with Aww. his carer and they were eating ice cream and just talking and I actually yeah. thought I would love to do that like I would love to just because you know I'm a young mum and I'm on my own with my little boy and yeah I'm I'm lonely you know yes. and I, I've got my health and my strength and and I just thought gosh like how lonely must other people be and then yeah that was what you're saying about cafes getting people's stories it was like wow like those old people might be all mine however most old people that I've met aren't that nice so moving on (laughs) (laughs) I'll just I'll just I'll just stick with line and bed writing um yeah so uh, yeah so your comfort zone and I, I know like um so you're living in where now well I know but tell everyone else yeah so I live with my husband in Edinburgh um, actually in Leith, 
which mm. is a little, well, it's still part of Edinburgh, but it feels like its own little entity. And yeah, we love it. It's great. We, um, Chloe and I, met and lived in Bath, and um, our oh, favourite little goals. Oh, Bath, that's what's dark. I get the tissues out. I'm in this tiny little town in Northern Ireland. Um, but yeah, sort of t- towards the end of your time in Bath, when you felt very much like you know you had outgrown it and you were seeking a new adventure, you started a event for women. That's right. Yeah. So it was January 2018, and I actually felt this, oh, I can't even explain it, what led me to set up Women in the Arts. I just one day was thinking, so, you know, most of the musicians I knew were, you know, my brother's male music, very kind of a masculine music scene because my brother's band was indie rock. And so I'd go to all these indie rock bands. And so most of the time there were some amazing female artists too. Most of them were you know, men with big martial lamps and black skinny jeans and mm-hmm. very familiar territory for me, one that I'm very comfortable in and I loved it. But then, you know, I was about, I was met getting married in the summer of 2018 and I'm starting to look slightly ahead and, you know, one day wanting a family and working, I just started working in the homelessness sector. Um, I was about to launch my album, I was getting ready to launch my first album later on that year, etc. And I just thought, do you know what I love? I guess my my kind of other passion is people and and community and connectivity. So I started to realise all of these lovely, not just lovely, but these inspiring, creative women that I knew. And I wanted to create a place to bring them all together mm. and and to sort of see what would happen. So Women in the Arts was born out of that. And um, I remember the first event, I was shaking like a leaf because one, I didn't know if anyone would come. Two, I was scared that in, you know, living in a time where things are becoming more and more um, deconstructed. So to even call it Women in the Arts felt really scary. Mm. Um, But I was very clear that anyone was welcome however you identify you're welcome and so in fact Amy you were one of the first oh yeah yeah I was (laughs) you were in a strange time do you want to yeah maybe do your spin on that yeah so I was just pregnant I was maybe three months pregnant maybe not even um and I was on my own as soon as I found I was pregnant I was on my own um and I yeah I was the first up and I had to talk about my art and just my story and I thought at that time I was going to be a novelist and I had written this historical novel which I I wrote I I wrote when I was I lived in Germany for a year well not not quite a year and I was extremely lonely because I lived in the countryside and so when I read back on this historical novel it's got these awful sex scenes and I mean they're (laughs) literally so they're like a Mills and Boone novel they're not sexy at all but that's how lonely I was yeah (laughs) Uh, anyway so yeah I got up a a woman in the arts to talk about my novel and my baby that I was having which I didn't plan for um you were just starting to show I remember yeah and um I remember my son's father also being in the back of the room he just slipped in um, and then slipped away but anyway so it was very very emotional time for me anyway and um I shared becoming a mother and then hoping to become a novelist and I was really honest and I was like I don't want to be a mother like I didn't ask to be a mother I don't you know I'm 23 like I'm scared and then after that the few women who came after me then talked about their struggles of becoming a mother or maybe they were at the other side of the menopause and they never became a mother or and really the power of story hit me then you know I was in such pain and like I, I was affecting it was affecting my creativity and my it was affecting everything and then these other women got up to talk and I, it just really made me realize how how we all have our own stories and we're all holding our own pain and our own thing so yeah um, yeah because that was, was the the question was what are your what what are your fears what are your aspirations and what's your story mm, so that yeah. was the three questions yeah I remember now yeah and and definitely like um you know there was a lot of women there of all ages and they were like yeah. quite a lot of um 
what's the word like not punky but alternative women you know who didn't yes. look like they were going to get up and talk about motherhood <laughs> and they yeah. did it was very much the theme for the start of the evening so yeah. that really impressed impressed upon me um and then a lot of women came up to me afterwards and talked you know about all the stuff they had children young like maybe you know their teenager and all the things they've gone on to do and it was a real it's a real safe space and um everyone there was a creative I guess of some sort yes um yes. but it like that was just in the background almost the creativity it was more about just your the story, story. Yeah, rather than story. like buy my album buy my book yes so, I mean there was a, a space for performance and sh- you yeah know, you know you shared your poetry yeah but it yeah but it was more you know because I think increasingly as women of the 21st century we have to we and we probably historically we've always been multifaceted you know you're kind of brought up to be um to focus on maybe having a family or to nurture a community or you know run a business have a career to have an education and to look good and maintain all these relationships and you know many there's many spheres I, th- I feel like typically in the life of a woman it's very spherical and so to hear women's stories of all ages, all backgrounds, it's so refreshing because I, there's not many spaces now where you get to listen to somebody who's a few decades older than you mm-hmm. or even a decade younger than you yeah. or somewhere in between. And yeah, so I forgot you were the first, you were the first guest on that. Amy, yeah. And now I'm the first guest <laughs> on, on my podcast. On podcast. <laughs> Friend favours. <laughs> um and then so from women in the arts that yeah. leads on quite nicely to what you're doing now yeah so so that that was um from 2018 to 2020 I did women in the arts I know I never did one in 2020 because of the obvious yeah uh, that what shall not be named the one that we yeah won't even give it any time of day but <laughs> there was something planned for 2020 obviously it was cancelled but yeah but I I started to um I was also working in the charity sector and doing like some creative projects for um people experiencing homelessness and lots of that at getting married and then I was nannying I had a few jobs working and supporting first-time mums with their babies and you know, I think I did about six Women in the Arts events in total. And I just had a moment in January 2020 where um, actually my grandma was passing on and I was with her. Not the night she she died, but just a few days, two days before. And I had this thing about being, I was 28 at the time, and I thought, and I had just left all my work again, stepping into the mm-hmm. unknown. And I was nannying for a family who really didn't need me. And I was just so bored to tears and like quite low and lost. And anyway, I sat with my grandma who was just passing on. I was just reflecting on her life and she was 88 and she'd had so many different lives and she'd overcome, you know, losing her husband very young and moving to the Isle of Man with her kids and just never once complained, always had like these sparkling blue eyes that were shining and like just full of gratitude and something about her life made me feel like well why is it too late for me to change my direction mm. uh, because I was thinking about some doing something retraining in something anyway so I got back from the olive man where she was got back to bath and it was like this kind of a a light bulb moment where I was like I have to do midwifery I have to do it and then I became like this ferocious determined beast <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. and like everyone I met knew a midwife or linked me to a midwife and I was reading and so I applied two weeks late and then I got interviews almost straight away and, and then of course the world went into lockdown and which I didn't know at the time but it was just this sense of ah okay I've always gravitated towards wanting to create safe spaces for people and um and I feel like being a midwife you are there at somebody's pivotal moment it's their life event you know whether it's planned or not 
it's a massive life event and I also had learned at, at that age by that time that just to pursue music alone would never be enough I needed something to kind of underpin it and fuel it like I needed mental stimulation yeah. and does if that makes sense so it was very much a cooling and I know that's a cliche thing to say but it it was as if when I got back to Bath after coming away from saying goodbye to my grandma it was as if something had left me and left Bath and gone up it, I know that sounds really odd but it was like I um yeah no completely yeah so like a Damascus Road moment <laughs> yes yeah yeah and how so you're studying to be a midwife in Edinburgh and how how has that made you more creative or do you just don't have time to sit down at the piano or how has it changed your relationship with music Mm, I we have a piano now real life piano in our own home so which I've never had before and apart from my childhood home so I play every day um and I released just on like just homemade songs I made in the winter. So I would say it's become my friend mm. in the last year. It's like my counsellor. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it it supports me, it underpins me and and it it it's a it's very reassuring to know that I can always go to the piano, I can always write a song. Um I, I did do a, a gig in May for the BBC and that was great. It was a nice challenge. But if I'm honest, it was a bit stressful amongst all the midwifery things because there's a lot of work that goes into these things, a lot of planning yeah. and rehearsing and and time and money. But in terms of my songwriting and playing and singing, it's become this very, very dear friend that, it's like we've sort of fallen in love with each other again um because I need the music to kind of give me energy and life and strength and it serves as as a kind of space for me to express myself really vulnerably vulnerably because the work I'm doing now is so vulnerable and it's so hard and it's, it's wonderful but it's hard like you see lots of sad things as well as babies being born you know yeah so music is enriching my life in a whole other way yeah and it's like a different season you know when you that time and you're in your early mid-20s and it was for yeah. other people you know to yeah. provide an experience in a club or, or at a gig or a festival and now it's just something for you so it's something that's always been there but it's just changed shape yeah completely yeah. And do you have any plans for the, f- like, well, I guess maybe you're just going to see how it evolves, but do you have yeah. any plans? Do you plan to gig in Edinburgh when things start opening up again or absolutely. release any new music? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would say one thing that is progressing all the time is we, we're we meeting a lot of creative people, like, and lots of them are involved in, you know, the Fringe or local festivals or become friends with somebody who owns a recording studio and so just by that you know and as things start to open up again um again it's not something I'm putting pressure on myself or forcing it but I believe in time in the right time it will happen um I go to a singing group in the in a community garden near my house but that's not performance at all. Obviously, it's not a gig. It's just something I do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't feel any stress or stress or, uh, or pressure. I just know it will happen in the right time. And yeah, if that makes sense. And what would you say then to someone who's listening to this and they're perhaps they're kind of in a space where they don't know what to pursue whether to push their art and be penniless or set up their own business or just they're in an in-between place what advice would you give someone who um yeah who's just unsure that's a juicy one um (laughs) I didn't prepare you for that one (laughs) (laughs) I guess my advice would be you know 
like this is such a cliche thing to say but just to keep going and also to keep um to trying different hats you know different Mm. different jobs different experiences and also to learn to understand yourself because we've all got different characters and personalities some people do really well sticking at the same job for year in year out other people don't and so maybe for you maybe you're content to stay working at you know being q or in the cafe or maybe you're in some real great paying corporate job you know um everyone's got different capacities but i would just say that um you know try everything try everything yeah enjoy it yeah and enjoy it like yes writing songs is painful and grueling and when you go record an album it's hard work i think you know, or you're writing your first draft of your novel. It's hard work, yes. But it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to uh, rob you of life. Yeah, completely. Go around, go and just like, life is full of many facets and you can do many things simultaneously. I would say that. Hmm. Will you tell people where they can find you or listen to your music and the name of your album, etc.? They want to look you up. Yeah, so... I am on the gram, my music page, which I have to be honest, I'm not really posting there very often these days, but it's uh, Chloe Marilla Ty. And I have my album on all the major streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And the debut album is called Cruel Girl. And then I have some extra things on my band camp which uh, one of them is something I recorded over lockdown. It's very homemade, it's, you know, mixed at home, but it's called, um, it's an EP called Pillow Sheet, so you can find that on Bandcamp as well. So, yeah, Great. that's for me. So, Chloe Marilla Ty, <laughs> and Ty is T-Y-G-H-E. <laughs> um chloe thanks it was so great to talk to you about this and just just hearing your thoughts about um yeah just pursuing art not to make a business out of it but just for the sheer love of it thanks so much for having me on the podcast amy it's been great and that's it for today's episode hope that you have really enjoyed it and now you have discovered Chloe and her wonderful music and so if you have a friend that you think would benefit from this conversation or would love Chloe's music please send them the link to this episode all notes will be over on my website which is the wildfolkstudio.uk forward slash podcast you can find Chloe and listen to more of her music on Instagram at Chloe Marilla Ty. And Ty is spelled T-Y-G-H-E. And you can find me on Instagram, as always, at thewildfolk.studio. Until next time, stay wild.